Do you have kids? No. You no, married? God, no, no. Oh my goodness. How about you? Well, you're a young guy. You're uh, you I, have a long-term partner, though, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I've known Tyler for ten years. I, okay. I love him to death. I want to strangle him a lot of the time, so yeah. I feel like that's close enough. That to sounds marriage. normal. Yeah, it sounds like marriage. It sounds groovy. You know, I don't buy him <laughs> gifts anymore. We don't have sex, so it's great. It's, it's like the perfect <laughs> marriage. <laughs> This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, we're going to kick off the new year. It is 2019, if you're not keeping score, and I am joined by a local radio personality blowing up the indie pop, indie rock, talk radio scene in this city you can hear him on citr 101.9 fm on wednesday nights at 10 p.m or you can look for him on apple podcasts or however you're listening to this show right now he is the host of andy land radio where he is fresh off of his holiday hellraiser special which you should definitely check out on andylandradio.com and he also hosts andy after dark a podcast of personal journals he is doing it all. He is Andrew Willis. Andy, happy new year, man. Hey, baby. You're looking good. <laughs> Thank you. You as I well. love the beard. It's hot. It's, it's turning me on. It's un- Is it? Okay. I'm, I'm wild right now. That's why I'm just letting it grow. Unhinged. It's. I was actually going to trim it soon. Yeah? It's well, pretty gross. Do you use scissors? No, I don't trim it. I, I, I go to a barber. Do you go to a fancy barber down the street that's like $1,000 no. in Gastown? No. no. You're not no. into that? I go to a guy uh, on the Burnaby side of Hastings Street. No. He's, he's good. Just he's he's not up. Water Street. No. Yep. No. no. <laughs> it's just a haircut. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> what can I say? It looks... I feel like no matter what, what you do to your hair, in two weeks, it's going to look the same. Well, yeah. Unless you do something really damaging to it, which has yeah. happened to me many times before. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, you, you know, usually I like to uh, talk about you and we'll get to that in a second, but we got to talk about this rat soup thing. We do. Cause like first we don't have Uber in the city and now <laughs> clam chowder is ruined. Yes. Um, and as much as I love this city, like Vancouver continues to just devolve in this tailspin into the absurd. Over chowder? <laughs> well, maybe. It's, okay. Yeah. This, this story went global. Like it's, it's, oh, it really? Viral. I didn't know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I knew it was viral. I didn't know it went global. Well, if it goes viral, it goes global. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about me in 2019. I don't know. Where you had, uh, I feel like you had some strong opinions on this. Uh, well, or some, maybe some insights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, somehow I'm always connected to everything that ends up happening. Yeah. Uh, I actually used to work in that unit that the chowdery occupies okay yeah what's it called crab park chowdery crab park chowdery yeah uh so i used to work in that unit uh this lady who was a really good friend of mine owned a clothing store there and when that clothing store had ceased to exist yeah uh i, I found out that there was a soup a restaurant that's gonna be going in there and i thought how can that exist in there? It's so weird. <laughs> there was a huge hole in the bathroom, just yeah. to give everyone a little bit of insight. There was like a three-foot rotted-out hole in the bathroom when we used to occupy that space. Right. Uh, so it was really rough, and it really wasn't that well taken care of. So, But they would probably have to bring it up to code before. Well, they must have blew food. it out. I'd, 
So yeah, so I, I, I'm not surprised that there could be rats there. I'm not saying that the rats uh, jumped into the soup or that they could have originated there. Who knows? But. Yeah, because the commissary kitchen where all this soup was being prepared, that's yeah. the one that was like closed down now. Yeah. Um, what, what, Mammy Taylor's? Yeah. 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 Which was a is a great spot. Yeah. I like that spot. It's hot. It's fun. Um, I've never been. Do you think it's a hoax? Do you think it's? Uh... Well, here's my here's my uh, scientific explanation. Well, if you would like to hear please. it. <laughs> Let's, Who would have uh, thought in 2019? Um, a lot of things, actually. But uh, the fur on an animal, if it is being uh, steamed, yeah, how does it stay intact? Like, how does it not just shed off? Like, how does the skin not slowly just sort of like, glo- I, you know, I love how become detached when a story like this breaks. Yeah, everyone is a forensic investigator or psychologist well, or like knows how a kitchen works like I, I don't I think it was like I'm boi- talking about dead rat rat bodies but, here but I don't think the fur was on I think it was boiled black oh almost. really I think that's what oh, happened see, I, I, don't know. I don't know I don't think the fur was on they're still using an iPhone 6 I guess I don't know, <sighs> I don't know. The, cr- the crazy part is that um, like uh, is it a hoax maybe but I do think it's kind of crazy that some girl would be carrying around a boiled rat. Crazier things happen. No, no, but to put up this hoax and just have almost zero follow through, like nothing with the follow through makes sense. Because I can tell you, like if I oh, like like to not ask for money or not ask for compensation or not or not get on the media or anything. Like I can tell you that if I staged a public scene, I would have so many one liners like ready for anyone who. But you're in radio. This person is not. I well. You're a burgeoning radio personality just uh, blowing up the I, scene. I mean, may, I mean, and I think that's the problem is like we, when we look at a case like this, we're all mm-hmm. applying reasonable expectations to very unreasonable circumstances. You know what? I, I agree with you. So I don't know. Like I, I don't know if someone's crazy enough to do that. You know I don't. I, I don't know if a, a rat can I, fit in in that bread bowl. I think I got a rat right here in my bag. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. He is. Andy is looking. At no, I'm bag. getting a breath mint. Oh, yeah. No, I, don't. I do. I do not have a breath. <laughs> that's when. That's. Could when, you imagine though? Uh, I would probably turn the interview. Like I'd probably be like, "Cool, that was Andy Willis at uh, CITR. Yeah, See no. you later. Thanks for bringing a rat. <laughs> Are you going to eat there again? That's the big question. Is that place out of business? I um. I think we should listen. I I don't know. First of all, it's what a chowdery. Happened. I mean, who eats chowder anyways? <laughs> I mean, let's get real. They here. have other soups. Well. I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to eat there to begin with because I knew what the condition of that building was Let, like. Let's not rag on the business owner. Okay, I feel I, like I, they've no, had yes. a tough yeah, time. That is true. That is true. Sorry. But I would say, uh, yeah, sure, I'd eat there. And, and they're yeah. probably going to get some sympathy business. We should go there together and film it. Us sure. eating some chowder. Sure. You should do your next podcast from there. <laughs> Just inspect every every uh, meal for, for rats. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe do like a, a Yelp review and do a really nice like I don't know. Do a dine out Vancouver there. Sure. I don't know. Invite someone over. Should reach out to them. Yeah, get a couple chefs together, and you guys should go over to the chowdery and sit and sample the soups. Yeah, yeah. Free soup. Free free soup. <laughs> free wrap. Maybe who knows? <laughs> who knows? I um. I you know what? I feel bad for the business owner again. I, I who's to say what happened? But I think he kind of went about it the wrong way. Like he was back in the media talking about like. Yeah. the buoyancy of the rat <laughs> and like the diameter of the bread bowl and it's like dude just just Give it roll up. with it at this point well how do you ladle out a rat in that i saw that bread bowl and i would agree with him based on what i have not heard but i mean i would agree. like how do you ladle a rat into a soup and not notice maybe it? someone just didn't notice i don't know 
you would have to be pretty a lot of different words. If, to... I mean, you could just be on autopilot if you're ladling out, well, honey, ladling if I'm out soup. Working all day. out of chowdery, I, I would be. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> I might add the rat in for some pizzazz. Who knows? <laughs> it was me that did it. I yeah. No. It's it's a crazy story. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a nice story to carry on from the uh, yeah. the new or the the old year, I guess. Yeah. What did you do this New Year's Eve? Uh, I was in North Van. Yeah, Good old hanging North out. Van. Yeah, I went to uh, had a Greek dinner with some friends, and then went to a local down in Lonsdale, Lower Lonsdale. Yeah, Anatolis. Uh, not Anatolis. Uh, Mythos, I think. Okay. Yeah. Not 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 at the bottom of Lonsdale, but third in Lonsdale. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Where would you do? Not a damn thing. Yeah. I stayed at home. Living your best life. Uh working. I uh <laughs> I made a big mistake with that holiday special I did. I I uh a, a lot of things didn't show up that should have showed up on the render, so oh. we had to remove all that and put all the stuff oh. up. And it's still great. I, I went through It's really good actually. Yeah. And You're a great interviewer, by the way. Uh, You're entertaining. I I like to be. I have to be. I don't know. <laughs> I got to do something. I got to make a living. I mean, I'm not, but I'm trying. Yeah, oh, I'm still working. I'm a server. I'm not. I'm not out there to you know schlep a game that you know. I'm some big person making lots of money doing what I'm doing. I'm not making a damn thing. But, yeah. but no, but I, I but I'm working towards it. I'm, you got I'm, a knack for it. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to think so. Um, I, I have to be honest. You uh, inspired one of my New Year's resolutions. Oh, what was it? Uh. So I'd never heard of this term BDE before. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you were ranting about it on your show. Mm, yeah, I think about Bieber having it or some <laughs> other celebrity. And I was like, I was listening to it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I want to harness my own BDE <laughs> and just exude it all year. Really? Yeah, because it's uh, it's different than just confidence. Like it's a yeah. quiet and fierce confidence. Absolutely, uh, it's a sexy confidence. I'm, I'm feeling the energy from you right now. It's I'm working. I've been working on it. It's I've been scaring working me. on it for the whole, whole week because yeah. it's my resolution. I'll give up on it. Like. You keep those hands over there, Mister Man. <laughs> Let me tell you. But it's because I think I've always been the loud, confident type that I'm always like willing to chat with people. Mm -hmm. But that quiet confidence, I was like, that's that's where it's at. It's hard to do, isn't it? I can't do it. Can you uh, can you explain? To the listeners, mm -hmm. as, as you explained on your show, what well, BDE is. BDE for me is I, I feel like I have good dick radar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I feel like I like <laughs> we're entering the X rated, the after dark version can, of the show. You can talk about whatever. Mo you want. after dark, right here, baby. <laughs> but um I feel like I can look at a guy and really sum up and be like, huh, he's really, you know, doing a lot down there. He's doing something. And so BDE so, stands for big dick. Big energy. dick energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's something you don't want to talk to your mom about. No, no, definitely not. But but Unless I would had say, a couple of wine on New Year's but Eve. I would say you don't need you don't necessarily need a dick to exude this. Energy. Oh God, no, no. It's just a it's a type of confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, BDE. You think Nancy Pelosi has BDE? I was well, going to say no, like Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna. Okay, well, <laughs> I, you're you going know, with Nancy Pelosi. Well, right. I've been I've been really fired up about uh, politics as uh, you do. Maybe not because of Trump, but definitely because of university. Yeah. And when you study sociology, and you really learn about uh, the world on a small scale and a large scale. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, you, you definitely get uh, really fired up about politics. Nancy Pelosi really blew it away uh, for her address yesterday. Sure. I like it. Yeah. Who else has it? I, Courtney Love, I guess, kind of has it. Courtney Love, that's an interesting choice. I really like her. Sandra Bernhard definitely has it. I love <laughs> Like some throwback names. No one's yeah. going to know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Um, who else had it? Um, 
women i think that's all i can think of oh uh i i, I guess um oh horses she had a really good album horses patty smith had it you are just okay these are all sorts of references yeah crazy references uh patty smith had it contemporary uh kristen stewart has it okay yeah yeah. i i I would date kristen stewart yeah baby if you're listening which (laughs) mo hopes you are she's moving on from uh no chris i'm chris but but is kristen stewart the one that's married twilight no, not the one married to Dax Shepard, right? Who's that? No, that's Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. How do I know all this? I feel like I stay so are, separated from Hollywood. You're my reference pop guide for pop culture, I feel like. Well, I don't know. I'm surprised I knew that much. <laughs> I, I, I could not name what Kristen Bell has been in. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just know the name. Uh, the good, and she's cute. The Good Place. The Good Place. Yeah. You know what I really like? is Okay, so there's a big trend in television. There was The Good Fight. Yeah. No, no, there's The Good Wife. The Good Wife. The Good Fight. Yeah. The Good Doctor. <laughs> I think there's like... <laughs> I thought they were all related. <laughs> Me too. I, I thought, thought they were like a big spin-offs. CBS, yeah. a big CBS their, franchise thing. Uh, well, the good, universe. The Good Fight is, it's from uh, The Good Wife. Okay. Uh, hello, female 34 to 45 demo right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what you're watching. Uh, and that's what I was watching. I got really fired up about it. It was like really weird. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Back to BDE. Well, I was just saying, so that that's one of my New Year's resolutions, as inspired by you. Christine Bransky has it. <laughs> Anyways, go on. Oh, no. Now you're losing me okay, now, because yeah. I don't know who these people right, are. <laughs> but I'm going to learn. I'm going to look them up later. Right. Um, but I have to ask you, so so for you, like you quit smoking. Yes. You have a long-term partner. You're hitting your stride towards your professional yep. goals mm-hmm. through all the work that you're doing at CITR. Mm-hmm. Uh, would a guy like you even entertain the possibility of a New Year's resolution? Uh, I did last year. I actually wrote this really cool letter to myself. I do one every year and cool. I kind of post online. I get really honest. Do you post it as soon as you write it? Yeah. Oh okay. no. I go, I go on Facebook and I pull up yeah, yeah. a thousand characters in this case. And I, and, cool. and I just kind of do a quick summary of the year. So, uh, I talk openly about being depressed for a month and wanting to drop out of school, uh, feeling like things were just completely nuts and crazy. Yeah. And I think it's good to kind of share those things and and just remind yourself not that you need to do something more to feel better about yourself, but that it's going to be okay that you're sure. here now. So six months goes by and you're okay. You're fine. So yeah, I don't have a do you think you're over. You got over that uh, no. hurdle. Are you still going through? Uh, it? No, I, I, you know what? I've realized through seeing a really good counselor named Keith yeah. that uh, through my school, yeah. which God bless if we do not have that. I don't know how. A lot of people could afford to see mm-hmm. a psychologist, but I learned that I did not know how to self-soothe or self-regulate when I was younger. Right. So, you know, you're sort of moving around from house to house. You don't really know what's going on. You don't really have, you have set rules, but they don't really last long because then you move again and things are really wild and weird. So you just don't know how to self-soothe. And then you get older and then things go crazy. There's certain triggers that happen and mm-hmm. you don't know how to like talk yourself down from it or get used to knowing that in a couple of minutes you'll feel better again. Right. So then you get anxious or you get anxious for so long because you're piling on the work, piling on the work, which I do. Yeah. And then you get depressed. Right. And then this really weird thing happens, which I've experienced three times now in my life for an extended period of time. It's called derealization or depersonalization. And it's when you literally feel like you're outside of not outside of your body but you just feel so disconnected from reality you don't feel anything you're like what is going on you don't feel like you have autonomy or control over yourself mm. pardon me and it's uh and it's from extended trauma it's from uh being in a depressive state for an extended period of time sure. and being anxious and 
having all these things happen. So through Keith, through life, I've learned that, uh, you know, it does get better. You just got to learn how to manage it and, mm-hmm. re- and regulate that stress. People don't always have that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can't speak to yeah. uh, depression per se, but I can speak to anxiety. I can speak yeah. to uh, grief and, and these yeah. things. And and one thing I've learned, uh, and I'm not saying this in a cool way, uh, but I, I learned through self-teaching and learn and reading and mm-hmm. whatever. I didn't have, I never had a counselor mm-hmm. or a psychologist or anything. But one thing I learned is that Sometimes these uh, voices in your head mm-hmm. that tell you you suck and you're mm-hmm. the worst and you're not worthy and whatever, uh, those don't go away. You have to learn to almost well, turn the volume down on them. Yeah. And you have to learn to live with them, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's Sometimes we get so focused on expunging uh, those negative thoughts and, and feelings and things that create these stories for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. For me, and again, I'm not talking about depression or anything too serious. No, but, but, but it's it's the same thing. It's, yeah. You experience uh, a trauma, you experience some sort of event, mm-hmm. and then you are continually exposed to that if you don't live in a bubble. Exactly, and, yeah. And yeah, and you have to learn how to deal with that. I think one thing I want to say is, uh, you know, you didn't go see a counselor. I didn't see a counselor for like, till now. Sure. Because I, I was like, I, I, well, because I was like, it's crazy. Like, well, I don't need to do this. And I've always been someone that as a kid i was like at five being like i have to make my life perfect and do this and i have to be a really big success and i have to get away from where i am and uh build something a lot bigger than myself because things are really scary and so i've always been like a go-getter and a real spinner (laughs) and like the type of person Mm -hmm. that like really uh piles it on but i don't know i Depression's no different than grief. I mean, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's it's an experience. It's a, exactly, and it's not permanent. You don't have to say like I have depression. It's like I, it's like we all do. We all experience it. Some people extend it, for sure. Yeah. And and what you realize is that, um, from my understanding, mm-hmm. and I hope I'm not doing like bro psychology right now, but do it. Why not? <laughs> from my understanding, it's it's just a it's a natural response to a stimuli that's happening in in the environment, whether it's trauma or stress or whatever. And it becomes um, depression is is the idea of that response is prolonged even when the stimuli has long since passed. Absolutely. Right? And and I can understand how, you know, some of these things are normal and then how you can let them linger. And it's, you know, it is in one sense getting over something, but it's also, I think, more than getting over something is learning to manage how you respond to things for sure and how you see the world here's a good example uh so getting here i had to take the sky train from east vancouver where yeah. i live yeah. and then i got off at stadium and, I, and, and and i get here and i'm here now okay you're here well, yeah but but let's go back you're a little here bit. and now I, I woke up today and i was like i was like you know i'm kind of nervous i'm kind of Why? and then i started thinking to myself well because a, you know, uh, you're putting yourself out there, right? But I you're mean, on radio. You got a bigger show than I do. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. We don't, we, we don't do ratings, but if we did, I'm sure I'd do really well. Uh, I, <laughs> why not? You got to brag in 2019. Yeah. Make yourself feel good. You come a long way. But uh, I woke up feeling nervous, and I said, "Look, I'm nervous right now because you know I, I don't want to, you know, screw up, and I want to make sure I do a good job." And and then you start thinking to yourself, like, "What if I have a stroke in the middle of this interview?" And that's like my mentality. I'm like, what if I have like a heart attack? Like, what if something happens to me and there's no escaping it? And that is where my anxiety comes from. That's that's the uh, 
kick in the pants that this podcast needs to get to that next level. Some crazy dramatic Person? thing. Happening. Well, it's not going to be me. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 hoping it's might no be one. A, might be a rat in your tea. <laughs> Spike your tea or something. Get you, get the phone out. Why not? <laughs> do they do they do delivery? Just eat. I'll give them a call right Ooh, now. Because then you can blame the driver. That is true. We're going back to this, but you know what they should have done? They should have if if the and again, not that I blame the restaurant or anything, but if the restaurant wanted to clear its good name, they should have kept the vat of soup it was in and had the soup tested. I'm sure their immediate response was throwing it out, but they should have just been like, hey, test the vat that was Did in. Did they throw it out? I don't know. Here, I have my phone. I'm going to call the chowdery right <laughs> no, now. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I want to give them a shout. Because you signed a release, but they didn't. So. That is true. <laughs> that is true. But hey, you know, okay, so getting into it, I get anxious, I wake up, and then... And then before I just I would never stop that voice in my mind saying, "Look, yeah. this is happening." Now I do, mm-hmm. and now I say, "Okay," I'm, and it's called mindfulness. And I was like, "Yeah, that's just it." Yeah, my favorite thing to talk about. Well, getting here, <laughs> I like I was outside on the phone with my friend Emily. Shout out to her; I love her a lot. She's a really good friend. And uh, I said to her, "I said, oh my god, I feel like I'm gonna die. I'm like kind of panicking. I'm kind of." She's like, "Just breathe, just breathe. You're fine." And she's like, "What's the matter?" And I was like. I don't know. I'm just anxious. And she's like, well, then there you go. You're just anxious. You're yeah. excited to do something. Yeah, so that's I, a good feeling. Calm down, sat down. I was good to go. Yeah. I love your lounge, by the way. I like the sofa. I want to take it home. Uh, credit to On The Mic Training Studios. Not my lounge. I didn't do it. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like just for the listeners, uh, it is not a very beautiful sofa. It is just like an average brick sofa, but it is so comfortable. It's comfortable. It is the most comfortable sofa. And I actually sleep on my sofa. Mm. like like four out of seven days of the week i will sleep on my sofa i feel like you instagram story from your sofa i do a lot because um i'm always on the sofa it's just for me it's so comfortable the sofa (laughs) is the heart of the home it's it's function over form (laughs) it is um you have questions yeah well i mean yes and no i mean we're we're chatting i'm talking about i'm talking about the new year and we just we're done i it's 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 nice to be introspective of the year, yes. right? Even though it's a very arbitrary point, because it's not like there's a solstice going on or anything crazy in the cosmos mm-hmm. that day. No, but it's good to be uh, introspective. So I want to ask you, how do you think 2018 defined this city? Because when I look back at it, I just find that there's a lot of anger in Vancouver and a lot of angst, and uh, and I mean this in a very complimentary way. Uh, but your Twitter is often very much on the pulse of like what's annoying people or upsetting people, whether it's housing or ride sharing or money laundering or well, politicians yeah. who don't address because our it, needs. Because it affects me. Surprise, surprise. Of course. Yeah. It's fa- yeah, it, affects it affects everyone. all of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not some people. But... Do, you th- do you think that was the theme in this city? Like just a angry population, an angsty population maybe? No. No? What was the theme? I, I feel like the sensational version of it would be like yes the whole city was upset if it really was there probably would have been like a riot or something cool yeah we didn't make the playoffs this year so (laughs) there was no no were you there that year i have to ask i was and i was thankfully uh you know what i was downtown but i was in gastown and i caught the first sea bus and i remember on the sea bus just seeing these plumes of smoke yeah from downtown we're talking about the 2012 uh, 2011 2011 riots yeah 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 from the Stanley Cup Boston versus Canucks. Yeah, were you here? Funny story. I worked at BC Hydro. Oh, yeah. And I worked in their accounts payable. And we were on the 23rd floor of the Accenture building, which yeah. is right above where BMO is on Georgia. 
And we had that corner view of down by the library, down by the stadium where they had the huge projector and the big screen right. up for everyone to watch in public. So everyone was going to stay after and uh, watch the game. I'm like, I don't really like hockey. I like hockey bros, but I don't. I love a hot guy that plays hockey, let me tell you. But but I don't like watching hockey. I could care less. So yeah. I went home and I wake up the next morning. It's like eight o'clock. I have to go to work. I get to work. I get downtown. I'm like, what in the hell happened? I'm like, this is nuts. I'm like, I'm seeing like broken glass. I see like the bay is boarded up because I got off at uh, Granville. Yeah. Like what the hell happened? I had no clue because I went home and went straight to bed. Yeah, at about six, seven o'clock. Had no clue that these riots had happened. Right. Yeah. You just woke up and showed up and was I showed up to work. Yeah. There's broken glass everywhere. Yeah. There's um. It was nuts. Well, good for yeah. you. Good for you for sleeping through it. Because I was on the other side, uh, basically Lonsdale Key, and and I think we sat there. Did for... you see smoke coming up from like the? Yeah. <laughs> really? No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and wow. We sat there for like two hours just watching plumes of smoke come up. Jeez. It was crazy. Nuts. Um. But so we I, didn't get that angry this year. No, we did not get that angry. But 2018, I will say, if there's one thing that we, th- if there's one thing that I've experienced is that there's more clarity about what the talking points are for election. Because guess what? There's going to be an election coming up in a couple of years. What are the, what do you mean? So what, what are we talking provincial or I, federal? Because uh, federal is ta- this year, right? Uh, there could be a provincial one too. You never know. Well, no, no, because uh, John Horgan just got in what last year. Yeah, but if so, shit, if shit goes down in Nanaimo. Because uh, they're having a by-election, right? And the BC Liberals to take call, that yeah. seat. Um, there could very easily be a, uh, an election called. God damn it! It's, <laughs> it's always that way. There's always some Michigan, some craziness up at the legislature, which yeah. Keith Baldry, who I love, is always uh, following from global media. Yeah, no, he's great. He's the OG of political commentary. I love his Twitter. I follow his Twitter. Uh, I I just I love Keith. You ever Baldry. tweet him? I do, yeah. He follows me. I follow oh, him. Nice. Oh nice. yeah, no, I love him. Oh, I. You know what I did actually? Him and Drex, who does the shift. Yeah, it's like a nationally syndicated radio show here yeah. in Canada. Uh, we are all following each other on Twitter, and I sent uh, I sent Drex a tweet being like, "Hey, should I bring you some champagne or bring you a bottle of something up to the TD Tower because that's where he works?" And he was actually working New Year's Eve, I believe. Okay. And he wrote back being like, uh, what, Vim or Juice or what? And I wrote back being like, uh, Malibu and Fanta, I think. <laughs> and then Keith Baldry jumps in and says, uh, Bailey's Rum and Coke. Wow. Is uh, Drex's favorite or something like that. So then I said, I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to go to the- Altogether, room. Bailey's Rum and Coke? Well, so that's what I thought. So then I went to the Rosewood Hotel because that's my haunt. I love going there. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I spice it up. I, I, I get a little bit lavish sometimes a little fancy well why not you know i mean you just come from nothing you gotta have some fun (laughs) when you can right (laughs) absolutely god so i go i go so just for all the punks that may be listening to your show who are like he likes bad brands but he goes and spends 23 (laughs) dollars on on a cocktail um so i I said to them i said hey i'm gonna go to the rosewood i'm gonna try out this drink so i go to the rosewood and i filmed it. it's up on my twitter yeah and uh it tastes like a milkshake it tastes like a frothy milkshake it's you tried it Sure did. I think I'm Ian Collins it. at 1927 Lounge at the Georgia wow. Hotel Rosewood Extravaganza. I'm gonna have to give it a try. I feel so like it cost thirteen dollars. That was the you know what's so funny? That drink costs less than any other drinks on their menu. Yeah, I was just gonna say thirteen bucks for that place well, is not bad. No, well Bailey's rum. It was Bailey's spice rum and Coke. So I'm like, okay, that's like a shot, a shot. So it's probably like eight bucks a shot or five yeah. bucks a shot. Reasonable. Plus the Coke. So I was like, oh. 
it's gonna be an expensive drink and it's gonna taste like absolute <laughs> garbage <laughs> but no it tasted it tasted okay so that's drex's favorite uh, drink. uh well i thought it was keith baldry's but it's oh. actually drex's okay keith keith as i posted said oh no no it's not mine it's drex's so yeah i'm actually uh reached out to drex and i said hey you know i would like to hang out and learn more from you about broadcasting and so cool. we might go get together and get show busy and have dinner somewhere and have a quick chat yeah let me know so gonna, i'll ask him honey that. come with why not <laughs> i'd be there bring that big burly beard of yours i love it it's turning me on in 28 19 all right oh man uh you're making me blush behind this beard well, why not? <laughs> um I w- so i want to talk about your your show uh, you guys play some some great indie music yes uh, you also get to talk a little bit you get to go off uh, which I love. I love that. And I have to say, so I've, I listened to a few episodes, and, and the episode that I absolutely loved was where you, I guess, hours prior just yep. made an executive decision that you were going to come on the show and you were going to talk about SOGI, which, which is sexual orientation and gender identity curriculum mm-hmm. in public schools. Yes. And I guess during the municipal election, there was a few politicians, one in Burnaby in particular, that was talking about removing Soji from the schools. Mm-hmm. And obviously you felt very passionate about it because you dedicated your entire Lauren hour. Thompson. <laughs> Hi, Laura. But you, you, it wasn't just like a five minute thing. You no, went on for an hour yeah. and it was and incredible. I to, yeah. And I had to write it and research it because you can't, if you're going to get into any sort of political debate, you cannot go in there without facts. Yeah. Um, you just can't. And even if you're preparing facts, you just have to say, like, look, I cannot speak about this right now. Just, yeah. And then come out when you can. So I had to write this because I was really compelled. I wanted to make sure I got the names of all the transgender people who have been reported uh, murdered. I'm able to read out as many of those names as I could. I want to get the facts on uh, just what Soji represents in BC classrooms and be able to educate people a little bit more than just say, you know, hey, you suck. Because I go on Twitter and I'll say stuff like, you know, you know, you're a bitch. Or like, you know, I don't like, you're a piece of garbage. You're garbage. Marianne Booth. But, um, well, I don't know. But she's not, she's not, thankfully, she's not my mayor. I'll tell you that much. But, because uh, if I died, she wouldn't really give a damn, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> that's something separate. <laughs> We're really Let, going. Let's stick to Soji, then we'll but get into the donation. I know. Bins, I'm sorry. But, I, but see, that's the thing. I, I get into this uh, into this fury, and it's good because then you get to really address issues. But, Soji and, was one. But that's the thing. I love that you brought this uh, passionate mm-hmm. uh uh, fierceness to yeah. it, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, you were very logical and, and very clear in thought. I had which is to, obviously yeah. the preparation part. Yeah. And and you included this fact that, um, you know, as it currently stands, parents can opt their ch- kids out of well, here's the, the thing. SOGI curriculum. Like it's 100%. if you cared that much, yeah. Or if if it offended whatever sensibilities, you're able to say, you know what, this isn't for my kids. Yeah. We're gonna pull them out of this. Um. So then for politicians to go that extra step and say, well, you know what, we're just going to strip it out of schools anyways, mm-hmm. it, it does seem, it seems like it's overkill. Well, and you're okay, just, so you're hawking to the worst Sure. And how much money is it going to cost in the long run to take sexual education out of the classrooms? Two points. One, I was raised where like sex was not a word we could ever say at home. I was raised in a very religious Protestant household. Uh, it was intense. We're all homeschooled, so we wouldn't be exposed to stuff that was not of uh, the Christian faith. Sure. So for me, I like, I, the few times that I did go to a public school, I was taken out right before sex ed came around in grade five. Mm. 
when I went to Alice Brown's secondary for, or I mean, elementary for uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, we went right into sex ed the first couple of weeks of school. And I remember my aunt took me out of there. So that's the first point. If you really wanted to, if you don't want your kids exposed to that, great. Take mm-hmm. them out of that. But the fact is, kids are going to be exposed to this. Yeah. And what's the alternative? Saying, you know, these people are freaks or that it's unnatural and they're unlovable. I mean, all they're really saying is that these people exist and you're yeah. going to see them. And, uh, you know, it's not saying you have to be one. It's just saying, like, these people exist. It's giving visibility to the invisible. Yeah. And that's and what I, I'm about. And I think it's, I mean, when we look, when we think about something like sex ed, it probably started as something that was much more... Uh, strictly mechanical well, yes. in terms of repro- like well, just talking about reproduction, oof. right? I mean, we're... S- and now we need to evolve it not only to include LG- the LGBTQ community, but then also include these ideas of what consent is and what it, yeah. you know, what what these things mean for your emotional mm-hmm. well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a perfect age to have them in uh, when you're growing up. Yeah. Because you can, you're, you're much more free to ask questions and feel less embarrassed about asking questions at that well, that age yeah. than you were than you would be as an adult. Well, and here's the thing: you don't get to make the same mistakes that I made, which was like, I mean, I was raised in a very uh, I wouldn't say we were racist, but it was just like it it wasn't like that uncommon to make fun of people and call them Chinamen. Sure. You yeah. Know? And, well, and, and, and and I like and <clears throat> like even in my early twenties, like I'm 29 now. Even in my early twenties, I felt very like you know uh, very cautionary around asian people because i thought oh what are you doing coming into this great land that my great great grandparents moved to yeah you know and you feel this way so it's like you know what if you're exposed to alternatives like people are you know there is no really such thing as the other it's just people yeah you know and i would say the same thing about um you know when i was growing up and was young and mm-hmm. stupid and would say like that's gay well, or whatever and I it's cuz yeah. like, i didn't know any gay people i didn't know what that even meant right and it, it's sticky it's really tough especially when education is really what gets which really allows people to uh be really good comics and be or maybe i don't know what do you mean well what i'm really trying to say is that uh I don't mind if you say to me that's gay or if you like whatever. I don't mind if we're riffing and having fun because there's this really cool thing. Well, there's thing. context. Yeah. There's context yeah, for everything. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like with communication, I study communication in school. That's my major. There's these really fun uh, theories that describe like things, if you want to get really scientific, called like fantasy themes where it's like you engage in, the, in this role playing with your friends. And, mm-hmm. and so you can get away with things there that you cannot get away with in the workplace. Or sure. You cannot get away with as a teacher at school. Yeah. So I think what really getting back to what Soji is about, I can see why I can understand why being on the side of the fence that is like very conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see why it'd be terrifying to expose your kid to something so freakish as like chopping off this or that. That's what they think. Like that is literally what mm-hmm. I used to think. I was like, why the hell would someone want it? It's just so weird because that's just how it was raised. That was my habitus. That's the sociological term for it. Yeah. Uh, but now that I'm on the other side of the fence, I, I, I see, and also now that I've done so much writing in school about it, I see what stigma does. And I see yeah. how it completely holds back a society. 100%. Whether whether it is, uh, you know, people in the LGBTQ community that are stigmatized, Women, whether yeah, it's sure. drug users. You know, Women, migrants. 
Exactly. And you're seeing it all, yeah, Uber drivers, yeah. you know, uh, big oligarchs, uh, taxi companies, lobbyists. I mean, everyone's an other to another. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that That's very well put. And, <laughs> that uh, was horribly put. <laughs> no, I thought it was great. It's it, A lot of these things do come down to putting a face yeah. to people. Well, you right? need, but you need to you need to have a face for that enemy if you want to attack someone. Sure. And it's really easy to divide people and get people to be very loyal to you if you can uh, point to someone and say this person's bad. And I mean, I do it. Yeah, we all do it. We all do it. Yeah. You know. So don't beat yourself up about it. But but there is a point where you know you're really taking it to the extreme. Yeah. Do you think that um, and and the woman in in uh, Burnaby was not the only one. Oh no, Laura Lynn. Yeah, there's a whole ton. I mean, I don't have the list here. But. Yeah, but do you think that these quote unquote politicians or people who are aspiring to be elected officials, do you think they really believed in this stuff, or do you think they Absolutely. saw this as a, as a vehicle oh, no. to to generate popularity? They believe it as much as I believe that Nancy Pelosi has BD. <laughs> I like they, but no, they really do because. They're impassioned. They're integrated into a community where... But the, but the only thing they believe would be their discomfort because there's yeah. not a lot of evidence for it. And there's not even a lot of sense, as as we as I just said and as right. you pointed out, you can opt out of Soji, right, for your kids. Yeah. So I think the fight it's is... It's not like, that no, anyone's forcing them or forcing their kids to go through something. Well, it's an imperial conquest, right? Because what you want to do, especially, you know, is... Uh, you really just want to make everyone right and perfect for you. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm drawing blanks here, but, but, but I definitely do know that there are people for sure. There's definitely a contingent of people that are very passionate about. There are. And I'm, then, I'm thinking those people, those people with political aspirations, like my cousin. I would, yeah. My I would co- say they're not, I don't, I don't, I think they're just using it as a tool because I don't think they're being objective. No, well, they're not. They're, and, they're preying on people's worst nature. Well, here, yes, and but I mean, you know, it wasn't really all that long ago that, like, I I even remember in elementary school being told um, if someone speaks Chinese, tell the teacher. So you know, I really, yeah, huh. I went to a Christian school, and I'm not going to name which one, but I went to it, and I remember if anyone was to speak any language that wasn't English, we were supposed to tell the teacher, and we used to make a game out of it, and we thought it was really fun, and I remember having a very, and I still have that distinct feeling now, which is what is good to keep with you because then you can check back and really remind yourself where you've come from. But mm-hmm. I remember feeling looking at Chinese people thinking to myself, like they're so different. They're so bizarre. They're so odd. And that was just because I grew up so segregated from all that. Mm-hmm. It was like, literally like we would just go to church and we would just be with each other. And uh, like, we were so uh, cut off from yeah. from from otherness from anything from any sort of other culture other than just a very anglicized christian culture. Yeah. And, and I'm not exaggerating. And, and I'm glad you bring that up too because it's it's an interesting you know when people talk about like institutionalized racism or um I didn't want to use that term because the moment I use that term I I I I immediately turn to a social justice warrior or something like wacko. But yeah, no, I mean no, if, but, that because, is the actual term. Because the experience yeah. of someone who is a visible minority is mm-hmm. way different than someone who is of the white majority. Yeah. And um, you know, I've I've uh, I have friends that will argue w- with me and they say, yeah. Well, you 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 didn't have a bad life. And I'm like, I'm not saying I had a bad life, but 
I know that people saw me differently because of a hundred percent looked, and that and was you, people you like me. Just that explained was, it, yeah. And not that you were cruel to these people or no, bullied these people, but you but, just saw them in a different way, and that affects how you live your life when you are aware of that's how you're perceived. Well, and here's the thing: you, uh, we could get into like the deep science behind it, which. I, I'm only into bro science. Okay, yeah. Just give so, me the pro. <laughs> I, like, I love sociology. I sure, will just say yeah, yeah. the cure for racism is uh, sociology. Uh, take every sociology class you can take. Uh, take it at Capilano. Take it with Rita Zola. She is my absolute favorite. I love you, Rita. Um, but when you when you're young, like I never really noticed differences in color until I noticed like my parents noticing the differences yeah. in color, and yeah. that's when I was like, so when. And then, and then that goes right back to self-soothing, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're younger and you learn how to self-soothe by like you're angry and then you point to the Chinese person who just moved in your neighborhood mm. and they become that other, they become that visible enemy, um, you take that anger and realize that you can release that stress by blaming them and trying to make their lives hell. Yeah. And big story of 2018, ni- 17, 16, 15 been around for a while is uh foreign ownership sure. of homes yeah because now and this is what people don't want to talk about because it is a debate on what nationalism race a lot of things uh a lot of things well that's the problem and and that's the you, thing you, is we're too polite to talk about it but the yeah. big thing is we have people and it's and it's not just people from mainland or from um uh from china or you know singapore mm-hmm yeah, people from Germany who own the Bentall Towers downtown, yeah. I believe. Um, so it's everywhere. Uh, but yeah, you, it's it's definitely can, foreign ownership can be a cloak for racism. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, same thing. But uh, yeah, go on. I well, no, I was just going to say it absolutely can. And that's it gets so weird when you make a case against foreign ownership and then you realize where it's coming from. And then you realize, oh, the person that's also with you on this is just is being all... racist. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. And you're like, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm not I'm not arguing yeah. that. Yeah. Um and, and so what I pointed to is like, you know, we obviously we're going to have some foreign ownership. We have we have foreign investment well, in duh. all all yeah. sorts of industries. But I think um you know, the money laundering thing is a big one. And that's well, be, and that's and we're that's talking horrible. about we're talking about foreign right. capital, but we're also right. talking about domestic capital that's being yeah. money laundered. Let's not pretend that there's not gangsters here that are laundering money through the real estate industry that are equally handing out kkk uh flyers so probably yeah in the valley (laughs) um you know what you asked me what my 2019 resolution is and i just thought about it now i think what i want to do is be more patient when it comes to uh the um the distribution of justice I feel like it's hmm. so easy and I've been doing this a lot and I've been really catching myself really want to work harder on doing better at it. Yeah. But saying like, why isn't there people in jail now? <laughs> you know, right. like that is such a thing that people do who, you know, may not understand the system as well or justice or what or law. But, um, but yeah, everyone wants the now, like throw people in prison now, but there is the thing called due process. Thank God we have it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I'm I'm just saying I would love to see people thrown in jail over the uh um uh money laundering. Mm-hmm. But 
it might take a while. It's like Mueller. It's like, I was like, you have everything. <laughs> it's been years. He's going to be done his like second term by the time you get around oh. to it, to handing out the indictments. So I'm like, why can't you just do it now? I want it now. I want, and, and, and that's probably a carryover from that whole, like, I'm a peasant. I want to burn these people now. I want to, drag them out of their palaces and chop off their heads. I yeah. think it's definitely a carryover from that. Yeah, and that... And I have that gene. That, that, that. Well, I think you bring up a really great point because when we, you know, when I sort of hark to this idea that it yeah. was an angry year in Vancouver, right. um, we probably do require a lot of restraint. Yes. And, and recognizing that, you know what, we, uh, we're we not going to fix housing overnight. We're not yeah. going to get Uber overnight. Yes, I know everyone has it, but it's not going to be overnight. Like, mm. we're, we're getting it. There's been a lot of stalling. Yeah. But... It's going to take a little time. It does. And also, I mean, when you have a system that, what is the alternative to taking a cab? Oh, we're on this topic now. Uh, sorry. I've, I oh, well, no. Well, I, okay. Well, I, I, I just meant. Just touching on it, though. I mean, well, yeah. It, you can't change that overnight. Yeah. When there's only one, there's no other alternative. Exactly. Yeah. People are, uh, industries are going to be completely torn apart. Yeah. People are going to lose money. They're going to get angry and not want to vote for you. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. No, John Horgan's in a weird spot. Um, he's a, he's a, he's an NDPer um, who, well. <laughs> what, what kills me about the ride sharing, because I'm pro ride sharing, I'm pro Uber, pro Lyft, whatever. Right. I hate hearing it from the BC Liberals of like, why don't we have? And it's like, you well, guys why were in didn't power you do it? Yeah, 16, exactly. For sixteen years, exactly. And you didn't do anything. And oh, now no. you're all up uppity about we don't have Uber. Well, that was like, the thing. What are you doing? I literally, uh, Christy Clark drove me up the wall. And you know what's so sad though is that like, because <laughs> I feel like there, it's like always an ad hominem. Like it's like Christy Clark represents so many other people that should have been doing their jobs. Like it wasn't just yeah. her. But, uh, and many other people before her, but, um, oh, damn, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Oh, she likes punk music. <laughs> so there you go. Sorry. That was so off topic. But so she, I would love to hang is out that you, Is that you pardoning Christy Clark? Uh, over punk music? Yeah. No. She loves the DC scene and the Vancouver scene. Interesting. That's not, she's that's a, not she's a charismatic lady. She's, she's very nice. She's uh, a I kick her... in the ass. Yeah. She's a lot of fun. But the thing is, I mean, let's getting back to what your job is, mm-hmm. um, you know, walking around with a hard hat and a pair of jeans, God damn it, <laughs> up in the interior ain't enough for us city folk. We need a little bit. I, I just think what we need um, in our political culture and our entertainment culture is just more authenticity. Yeah. Right. And we need people who, if you say you're for, for something, you better mm-hmm. be for it. Like, and it's the whole thing with, you know, Justin Trudeau buying up the pipeline. And, oh my and God. I down hate the, him. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely hate him. I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you. And I feel I so let down. Yeah. I feel like, can I say one swear word? I said, you can I say as many swear words as you want. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, one. I feel like I got fucked without a kiss. When it comes to <laughs> Justin Trudeau, I feel like he came up in my business, charmed the hell out of me, laid me down. I need to write a hashtag me too about him because he really <laughs> screwed me over. He reached out and grabbed me in places I didn't like, but I was into it. Yeah. And he promised me a lot more. He promised me marriage. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a good couple of years. Mm-mm. But is it, a, is it a me too or is it a regret? Because you, you're, it sounds like it's kind of a regret. Well, let's not joke too much about hashtag <laughs> me too, because I mean that still is a movement that 
deserves, you know. We're, we're playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette right well, now. Well, we are, but. I'm not using this for the promo clip. This is, you have to listen to the whole episode to get that. that <laughs> to part. get that experience? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Justin Trudeau really let me down. I think he let down a lot of people who were really, like, on the liberal left. Here's the thing. I respect business. I really do like big business. I think it can do a lot for people. Um, mm-hmm. A good example of that are certain people that have um, that I've met that own quite a lot of industry in BC and and uh, they do it very well and they're very fair and very honest people. Um, but Justin Trudeau, this whole like I mean, the sleaze of having like an indigenous tattoo and then wanting to skewer pipelines yeah. through the coast, like he just reeks of everything. Like rich, pretty boy, uh, went to school, but was like, yeah, no, I'm not that rich. Like I'm just gonna go do Katimovic for a couple of years. Like you know, he was like the rich kid at Katimovic, and he had no clue he was wealthy until like he invited you back to his home, and you're like, oh my god, like yeah, Marcus Trudeau's your mom. <laughs> Is Margaret Trudeau? I forget. Uh, Ma- I think Maggie. Yeah, Margaret, right? So that turns into Maggie? I guess. I don't even know. I'm Whatever. I'm over yeah. him. He's done. Um, he knows he's done. Everyone knows he's done. He's over. Uh, well, everyone else sucks. That's the problem. <sighs> well, yeah, you have Andrew Shear, who's an absolute... He's disaster. The, yeah. He's well, a disaster. I mean, he's... Well, he's the conservative. Like, I mean, he's a savior for some people. I don't think... Not I, for me or you. The thing is, I, I not that I would ever vote conservative, but, uh, you know, in what should be something that he runs away with, he's out there just talking about carbon tax. And, like, nobody cares, man. Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people that... I don't think that's going to be the big election. Well, issue. no, I mean... Right, but it's also, like, a conservative windbag you know, going off about anything that he can that can whip people. Because see, I, I think it's not about the carbon tax. It's the whole idea about like what green represents. And it's maybe like the semiotics of the whole thing. Like yeah. it's it's like what the traits are behind uh, what a carbon tax means. It means a liberal government. It le- means um, uh, putting the environment over business. And people who are in business are like, What's this regulation? What's but we this, just like, bought a pipeline, <laughs> you know. Like, well, yeah, and guess what? We also have a site C dam that cost how much money that nobody wanted, yeah, except for BC Hydro. Yeah, we were, and I'm sure we a few other in, people. I don't know. I don't have a list of names yet, but we were in deep on that one. Oh, with who? With the liberals, I think they we were already so far in. But I think well, so the liberals like to build, build, it. build, which is great, yeah. but you know, I mean, there's a lot of other things. Like, here's the thing, I love. Uh, I, I really loved FDR. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like a lot of people do. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. Just like Abraham Lincoln, he, great guy. Yeah. Uh, but the time of like we got to build a dam in order to save our people is kind of over. You think so? Uh, I to a large degree, yes. Because here's the thing: even if we do start building, doing all this public works, mm-hmm. why are we doing public works for antiquated technologies? Like, why aren't we looking more at like wind power, or why sure. aren't we looking more at? I mean, it's the same old liberal drag. I know, I get it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to make all your kids trannies and gays. <laughs> but I mean, it's it is what it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, like like why? Yeah. Uh, but but and also too technology. Like if you're looking at it, what's bringing people to cities? It's saying, hey, you're going to get these huge tax cuts if you come here and put your businesses. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with giving tax cuts to big giant companies because they're going to hopefully employ people. I mean, I don't know. Is that is that trickle down economics? Probably. Uh, 
it's a What's balance, that? right? It, it depends what you're talking about, and that's that's where I think again. Going oh, back. Margaret Thatcher, BDE. She had huge. Oh, yeah. She had <laughs> big dick energy. It was massive. <laughs> And and Meryl Streep too. Yeah, but um, no. What I was gonna say is, I, th- I think it comes down to this idea of just being authentic and, and recognizing that there's a balance between <clears throat> business and and providing for your citizens oh, and justice and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think, it, like I said, as a culture, I think we're we're craving more authenticity. Um, you know, like I'm I, listen. I'm doing this podcast thing for fun. It's yeah. just a, it's a it's a goof for me. But I see people like you, and I I, I would even say Virgin Radio's Megan Edwards who are out there they're non-political people yeah but they're bringing the heat with their honesty man like well you have to because people want to hear that they don't want to hear like there's a pumpkin patch out in richmond go visit it yeah and so so and up next is headley so here's where i want to go with this and this is what i want to hear more about in the media yeah don't tell me the story you think i want to hear tell me your story and I'm going to throw that to you. To me. Yeah, because I want to know how you got into broadcasting. I want to I know how you're, wh- what got you here. What are you okay. doing? Uh, interesting story. Yeah. I'm going to take out my Ricola. I just popped a Ricola in my mouth. Mm, that was delicious. <laughs> we don't I, it I, I put it down in a newspaper, like dangerously close to Mo. Here, I'm going to start attacking Mo with my Ricola. Um, I, starting off in broadcasting was not something I thought about ever. I actually went back to school uh, in 2017 to become a lawyer. Really? Yes. I had just finished working at Brooks. Very, you you strike me as someone that's very persuasive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have. I mean, you know, I don't know. I've been told a lot of things about me, and half of them I agree with, half of them I don't. But that's sure. life. Uh, I was working at Brooks Brothers. I hated it. I was like, this is no way to live. Yeah. Um. How old were you at this point? I was 25. Okay. And then I said to myself, I said, this is stupid. I'm living this weird, like, Republican faux fantasy. I need to get out of this. Okay. I need to get out of um, being under my family's thumb and all that other pressure. I mean, I, I just want to be myself and make my own decisions. And I felt like I never had that opportunity. And a lot of people don't because, again, money inhibits you from being able to, like, have that freedom. Uh, culture who you know in society, who you, social capital. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, I got a burp. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so with a burp, yeah. I went into 2017, went to university. Yeah. Said I have to go get a degree. And a couple of years in, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I was like, you know, working my job, doing my other serving and doing a bunch of stuff. And I met uh, Jim Pattison. Uh, the Jim Pattison. The Jim Pattison, who yeah. I've never called Jimmy Pattison to his face ever i've never called him jimmy i've never called him jim i always call him mr patterson as as you should i think i mean no he's like call me jimmy he's a great he always guy. says call yeah i've met but, him a couple times he yeah. always says call me jimmy but i i he's, can't do it i can't bring yeah. myself to do that and immediately when i met him uh first of all i had no clue who he was i was i thought <laughs> i thought okay it's just you know some other guy who's um yeah you know, in his 90s and uh, anyway, so we got to talking about stuff. And so what do you want to do with your life? Like, when are you actually going to do something with your life? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, you know. he's asking you this. Yeah, he is. Wow. And he and I have to give it to his credit. He could not be who he is as far as he has been and recovered so many times after, you know, what most people would fold under, you know, sure. having banks call loans on him and all that other stuff. I read his, his book, Jimmy. I love it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, he always asks people, what's your name? What do you do? What are you studying? Are you in school? He wants to know about you and he genuinely wants to know about you. Sure. So he did that with me and he said, what do you want to be? And I said, a lawyer. And he said, well, you know, there's a lot of lawyers out there. Are you sure that's really what you want to do? And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know. So why don't you give me, um, you know, get in touch with me when you kind of figure out what you want, what you want to do with your life. Yeah. So I did. And I ended up meeting him at his office. Cool. It was a, like, I mean, once in a lifetime opportunity. And I spent about 45 minutes, spent a long time with him. Uh, and he gave me this presentation on his company and he showed me his company. Wow. And he showed me uh, the six different divisions. Mm -hmm. And he said, which one do you like? And I said, broadcasting. Yeah. And he said, okay. And that was it. And then I thought, did I do something wrong? Like, like what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, you know, I might be set up with a job or something. Like I had no clue. Like I, all these things were going through my head. Sure. But just being there was enough for me. Like, I mean, if nothing was to happen after that, if I was to just fall over and die, that would have been enough. Cause I thought, what? Like, this is incredible. Yeah. So get in. So I, we follow up, we talk a few, a little bit more. He introduces me to, um, Mark Patrick, who is the general manager for one two seven, the peak in Vancouver, Vancouver's modern rock. Jason Manning, he does an amazing midday show. Uh, <laughs> shout out to him. I love him. And uh, and so what he essentially did was he just pointed me to a person and said, give this person a call. Set up an interview. See what you can do. Yeah. And I did. And I met with Mark. And Mark gave me a good three, four months at the peak. And I worked under Jason... Um, uh, worked with Jason Manning. Having no broadcast experience. Well, none. But but also, too, I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, I don't think Mr. Patterson would set anyone up. I mean, not trying to blow my own horn here, but I don't think he would meet with someone just, you know, just... Sure, for, He's yeah. a busy man. I mean, the, first of all, I have to say, I mean, I don't know, cause I, but I, from what I know is that, like, I mean, he could probably tell you every budget line item... For, yeah. all of his con for all his, of his companies. His memory is insane. Yeah. And he when he, when, everything. and when you talk to him on the phone, like I, uh, one time I picked up the, the, the few times that I've had the opportunity to talk to him on the phone, I picked up the phone and I thought it was like a 30 year old person. He has the youngest voice on the phone. <laughs> like he sounds young. Like I yeah. would have had no clue that was him. Sure. Um, so yeah, so he's really with it. And I think if you're really with it, like, I mean, really, really with it and, and again, like there was vetting involved. Like it wasn't like I just like showed up one day of to course. his office. Yeah, 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 I mean, there was like he some does cover. his due diligence. Yeah. So he, so I have to say that no matter what I do, where I go, everything is because of the chance that he gave me. And there is no one. I mean, absolutely no one that I could say offered me or made me feel more comfortable or more happy um, where I am. And it's all because of him. That's so cool. There you go. So that's your cut for like. <laughs> I, I just find, but that's such a Vancouver story. It right? is. Like you and, hear, and, and right. not necessarily Jim Patterson, but someone who comes well, to a good position and they're saying, you know, if it wasn't for this this person or it wasn't for that person taking a chance on me. But and, for it to be him, I mean, there's so many course, other, there's yeah, so many other people. Like there's Bill Good, who I know is like an incredible uh, man, you know, with BCTV and then mm -hmm. CTV and he's with Pamela Martin. I mean, these are people I used to watch. So, I mean, I was always exposed to broadcasting being like, wow, this is kind of cool, but I never thought I'd do it for work. Yeah. I thought, why would I want to? There's no money in it. <laughs> I mean, there really isn't. <laughs> Unless you're Jimmy making tons of money, I'm sure off of uh, advertising, but 
he's doing well, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, but no, he gave me that op- opportunity, and without him, I I mean, he really believes in people. And one thing I will share is that when I started in broadcasting, which was only last year, it was only last year that I was wow. at the peak in the summer. You've had a meteoric rise since then. It, well, because I really wanted to do it. I mean, you know, I got the goods. I can do it. I really want to do it. want to get into television. Yeah. I, Next I'm, step. I, you know, I'm humble. I'm humble when I show up to work. I'm not a diva drama queen, but I'm not afraid to and say it, right now and celebrate myself. You put say, in the hey, work, man. Yeah, got to do it. Yeah. And so have you. But well, here and there. Chamber of Commerce, you're up to you're up to stuff. You're involved. Not around. I'm yeah. just having a good People time. People know your name. I'm having a good time. You know your That's name. All. Um but when I first started uh at the peak, you know, I thought to myself, I said, I probably sound really gay when I talk. And I thought to myself, I thought, oh, I'm embarrassed. What does that mean? It means you have that voice that kind of inflects up. There's a documentary out actually on Netflix called uh why do i sound gay or do i sound gay right i mean doesn't matter no but i mean when you're when you're like literally given such a great opportunity you're like is this my only shot at ever like getting into broadcasting to go not even i didn't even go to school for broadcasting but to be like given something that people will study a couple years for and then do a practicum for and then you know get in with and then they start usually at a terrible small radio station in the middle of nowhere and then have to work their way to a large market like I'm given this opportunity. I'm like, I want to make sure I'm perfect, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, I probably sound really gay. Like, who's going to want to listen to this? Some people may not want to listen to it. Some people may tune out. They may think it's too much. And um, uh, Mr. Patterson, I was talking to, I followed up with him about how my thing, how my practicum was going. And he said to me, he said, uh, how's it going? I said, oh, you know, I was talking about advertisers and you got to keep them happy and you got to keep your audience happy. And he said to me, he said, don't worry about the advertisers. Don't worry about people like me who own the studio. Don't worry about any of that. Just worry about your audience and worry about talking to them like they're your friend. That's all you have to worry about. And he said to me, he said, if you want to do a show that is about cars, you do a show about cars. If you want to do a show about like liberal issues or stuff that's like, you know, about, uh, you know, whatever talk about sex whatever it is that you're talking about he Mm -hmm. said i may not listen to it but you know you got to find your audience yeah and they'll come to you and when they come to you the advertisers come to you and in that way it was like him saying i don't care who you are i don't mind who you are you know if you can show up to work and you care about what you're doing and you care about the audience and the people are showing up to hear you and you respect them and love them then that's enough. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I felt like I could do anything. Love it. Yeah. And again, we we hit this theme in this episode, but um, with so many other guests that I've had is when I talk to people about, you know, their journey, so much of it, and it's it's going to sound so corny, but so mm-hmm. much of it does boil down to be sincere, be authentic. Yeah. Once you are, and be vulnerable, because that is being vulnerable if you're being authentic. Mm-hmm. But once you sort of unleash that power, mm-hmm. man, it's like a liberating feeling. And, it, and oh my god, it's so. And it's, to know you're allowed to. Well, <laughs> right? and, to, and to know that like my family still doesn't know that I'm gay. I've never told them. I never can tell them. We they, can. What, they don't have Google. What's, what's uh, well, you know, <laughs> they don't listen to your show. No, they don't. Uh, I mean, like, I I kid you not. Like, my family is very uh, into what they do and if it doesn't align to that then they're not into it and they don't follow it and they don't seek it out they don't search it out 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I can never come out to them. But I mean, I feel so like, why do I need to? Like, yeah, yeah. You know that thing about building was it your found family? You know how people talk. Have sure. you ever heard of that yeah. term? Yeah. I remember when I was like in my twenties, like so, like basically yesterday. Um, you're, you're in your twenties. I, I am in my twenties. <laughs> damn are you it, about? my early twenties. Well, no. <laughs> I hate when people. Well, because my whole thing is. I remember like, when I was young in my twenties, and it's like you are in your. 20s, I yeah. Okay? I, I, I I sound very precocious. <laughs> I really do, and I really am not trying to make anyone feel like grossed out. But um, yeah, when um when I was like twenty or so, and that's when I was like peak trying to make my family really like me and dig me and like get really conservative like you know i mean i was like really drinking what they're serving and i didn't believe it yeah but there was a point where it kind of did anyways now what was i gonna say we're talking (laughs) about authenticity we're talking about uh uh oh found family yeah, found family. That's so right. I remember people would say stuff like, oh, I'm going to go spend my holidays with like my friends or we're going to do like an orphan Thanksgiving. And everything inside of me cringed. I was like, you're disgusting. How could you not be with your family? Right. Um, you know, how, like, why? And And looking back at that now, I'm like, it really just represented how much I really hated myself and how much I felt like I wasn't a part of my own family Mm. and how afraid I was of doing what I know that I really needed to do, which is really find my own family. And I feel like now I'm more confident because I found my own family. Like my Jesus is Jim Patterson. (laughs) So so I found my God. Sure. I found, you know, uh, I, I cannot wax enough about him. He's incredible. He had a cele- he had a big everyone celebrated him in BC in eighty six. They should still be celebrating him now. Absolutely. Considering what he's doing. Um and that he's kept so many industries alive, oh, I must yeah. mention. Yeah, like yeah. Save on Foods, like it's all online and digital. And that's just him hiring really great people that really think and yeah. care and stick with it. He's a good businessman. And he's keeping a lot of people employed here in uh, British Columbia and, and uh out there. So toast toast to Jimmy. <laughs> toast to Jimmy in twenty nineteen. Jimmy Patterson. But uh, yeah, I found my family and I'm feeling really good. I'm really confident. How yeah. about you? Whew. I mean, I, I, I don't know where to go from there. I, I, have, a, I have a good family, like uh, family, family. Uh, but I also have great friends. And, yeah. and I think you're right. Like once you get over the fact that uh, your friends and your family, whatever your family might be, however you define them, uh, you know, don't care about if you embarrassed yourself on the radio or a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to support you in, in whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's an empowering feeling. And and you do you do want to be more vulnerable. You do want to, you know, take those leaps of faith and mm-hmm. and turn down that voice that's saying, you know, why am I doing this? What like what's the what's the point of all of this? Right. Because you just realize like all that's negative and and whatever's true and whatever really counts well, that's is a, always going to be there. And that's the thing, what is the point of all of this? Are you doing this because are you saying this? Am I am I really being authentic? Like, do I really care about Soji? Like, if someone's right. like, we need you to cover Soji for the next two years, and that's and you're going to be a Soji specialist, yeah. could I do it? Because I cared. And the answer is yes. Sure. Um, could I, you know... 
Uh, but but not even. Be, do I, I mean, I, I don't even think you have to be that committed to, well, <laughs> to have well, a stance on something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you did it in such an authentic and such a well-researched and uh, measured way yeah. that I think it was clear that it well, was coming from the heart. You know what? I'm in it for the long haul. So for me, I think that I need to be really that extreme and that committed because yeah. I don't want to do anything else. I've never felt more excited now than I've ever felt since I was like a kid and like, you know watching the wizard of oz sure you know and being able to take naps whenever i want like <laughs> like i'm feeling really good these days and i'm doing more work than i've ever done i'm doing five classes i actually just started this new project uh i'll promo it right here where i'm actually uh i reached out to 40 over 40 bands in vancouver okay and they've all agreed to do this i'm gonna go to each band's jam space and film them uh performing three of their songs and then do an interview and release them weekly Nice. So, yes, yeah, so I'm doing that. And so then, is that going to be a segment of Andy Land Radio? Uh, it's going to be its own thing okay. because I just was like, well, I just did this holiday special where I filmed eight bands yeah. and I loved it. And I'm like really realizing music is really cool. But it's not just the music that interests me. It's the interpersonal. It's like the relational. It's like why you, why we're doing this now. It's yeah. like we want to learn about other people. Yeah. Absolutely. And then because it's me, I'm like, oh, I'm not just going to do one band. I'm going to do like 43 bands. Why not? So, yeah, exactly. Why not? <laughs> so I. Wait, yeah. is it 40 or 43? 43. Why 43? I'm still waiting for 20 more to say yes. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> what? 43. It's a low number. I need more than that. <laughs> I love that. I need content, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. So, well, because the thing is, we don't have. It's it's like it's like what's the industry supporting music, you know? I would love to go to the Junos, but I don't mean, look at me. I can't but, hook you but, up. But, but I'm, <laughs> if you I'm can, trying to, I'm trying to get a ticket. Oh well, <laughs> all you Chamber of Commerce people, you guys always get connected. Uh, when uh, Michelle Obama came, Vancouver Chamber of Commerce, they got a lot of heat about that because they were given what is it half price tickets out to? Wow, they couldn't sell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right? well, because well, they're so expensive, right? Yeah. So like what? Uh, my dad went. He he got a, How was it? he got a deal on that. He said oh. he liked it. He had a good time. Is he part of the Vancouver Chamber of Commerce? Uh, we're a part of a different Chamber of Commerce. Oh, we the, the Royal the We. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Royal Emirs. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's let's get a little deeper into the show because sure. I feel like someone who's new to you and enjoyed this chat. Yes. Uh, might not know anything about Andy Land Radio. So what for someone who hasn't listened? Mm-hmm. What is it? Uh, Andyland Radio is a one-hour, very forward-moving radio show where I play nine songs. Okay. Uh, six of which are usually Canadian because we have to do our CanCon, and yep. I love our Canadian content. We have great bands. Um, the Lunchtime Band. I'll give them a little bit of a promo. They're incredible. They're going places. And uh, Mind Offline. Who else? Oh, Whisper Disco, Rack Beach. Um, Quinn Pickering, who's from New Westminster, really great musician, uh, spouse, and who else am I missing? I mentioned. Anyways, I I do a lot of CanCon, a lot of uh, music, and uh, then I talk. I do a thing called hanged, um, or what is it? Um, do some like game segments, yeah. in between, and then I do the news, which is fun because we do the wild and wacky, weird news. Yeah, it's a fun show. I'm it's a, a fun show. Yeah, and so it's it's on the radio. It's CITR. CITR one one point nine FM Wednesdays ten thirty Pacific. Oh, ten thirty. Ten thirty Pacific. I think I said ten. It, it yeah. There was like when it first started, there was like, is it at ten? Because that's what it's advertised as uh, on their site is at ten. Oh. 
I'm playing around with a few things. So what I'm thinking about doing is doing like a kind of free floating, like long 30 minute conversation mm. before my show. Okay. Then go to a break and then go into the forward moving fast show. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cool. cause I, I love this. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. Like when I'm doing my show, uh, boom, drum roll live from studio A. It's Andy Land radio with Andrew Willis. And then I come in, Hey, how's it going? I'm Andrew Willis. And you're listening to Andy Land radio, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> and then uh, I list off a name of bands. And then like 20 seconds later, it's like, boom, it's like a bug ID. And then it's like, CITR 11.9 FM. And yeah. there's like, you know, a quick buzzy there's a ad. Lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on, a lot of elements and you're like firing a lot of stuff and it's crazy. And we don't have wide orbit, which I really love. And anyone who's like a radio nerd knows their wide orbit is just so sexy and fun. <laughs> Um, I know that they use it at Virgin uh, Radio, and they use it at 1027 The Peak. I think they use it everywhere, but at a college radio station. Of course. Because <laughs> it's expensive. It's like $5,000 for the unit. So that's Andyland Radio. And then uh, I did that for 13 weeks, went and- uh, And this is all available on Apple Podcasts. Uh, uh, yeah, podcasts. Uh, yeah, you can listen to it live on andylandradio.com slash stream. You can go on iTunes and Google Play, look up Andyland Radio. It is all there. All the episodes are there. Or go to andylandradio.com. I get it. This is my promo set. This, this is my, is promo, this is my promo time. This is, yeah, we're winding pro- it down. I, you know what? I always uh, wish I was more craven, and I am when it comes to promoting my own stuff. It's weird. <laughs> I will be loud about everything else but promoting me. But it some, seems strange. But some people will have listened to you for the last hour and be like, where do I where Right? Do Who is this person? <laughs> Who's this deranged homosexual? Yeah. Um, Stewie's listening. <laughs> deranged I, I got to ask you, how did you get so many followers on Instagram? You have so, so many followers. So I used to work down Instagram. the street for Litchfield. Okay. Shout out to Jonathan Litchfield. Um, he was my gay older brother before I even knew I had a gay older brother. Sure. He uh, kind of hit the same trajectory that I did. He um, said, I want to start a store. And he went to one of the most expensive uh, commercial districts and opened up a store in Water Street. Nice. And... I worked for him and I did photography because I was kind of into marketing and branding and that was my whole thing because I didn't go to like university right out of high school. I just worked. And then I was like, God, I got to do something more. So I got into marketing and branding, worked for Oak and Fort, worked uh, in e-commerce, worked for uh, Jonathan. And so I shot a lot of brands and then a lot of brands would start following me because I would send them free photos, which is like kind of not that common in that industry. That's why I didn't make that much money. Sure. And um, and yes, yeah, so I got a lot of followers from that. And then also too, because I love reaching out to people. So like I love laying on my couch yeah. out of the four out of seven nights that I'm laying on it sleeping. Don't fall asleep till four in the morning most days. And I'll go there and I'll just like, I'll search a term like I'm feeling fat on Twitter or like I feel ugly and I'll actually like just scroll through and look at the people who are like saying stuff like that about themselves. And I'll just trying to make them feel better and just be like, wow. hey. Well, because okay. it's, it for me, it feels good because it's like, you know, huh. I feel that way too. So like, yeah, I mean, you get kind of followers from that, I guess, but like, that's not really why I do it. I just really like to engage people. Yeah. People deserve to be remembered and loved. And what's interesting about your Instagram is you don't really post anymore. Like, no, just it's stories. just stories. I just do stories because like, I mean, you don't want who to scrolls through the feeds anyways? <laughs> I don't. You know what I do is um, I, if I like you, I'll put on uh, notify about posts and stories. If No, if I really like you, it's posts and stories. Usually it's just oh, posts. So when someone posts something and I really like them, like I'm going to see it. Yeah. Because, I mean, like 
who cares? You if got me like, on that short yeah, list? You're on there, baby. <laughs> you know who's not on there? It's like an influencer from Austria. Who, right. Like, I like just don't know. <laughs> People I don't you know. actually know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's just, it's a melange. It's a blend. It's a yeah. smear. It's a schmear. I think that's sometimes. where social media is heading, where um, like in 10 years, I feel like everyone's going to have like 15,000 followers, but within that, we're going to have our core group of where well, we're they notified just, whenever they post. Yeah, like not getting, you know, so into the like, you know, stories behind Instagram and what's going on with Instagram these days. But um, <laughs> they do have their close friends. You can have your list of close friends yeah. and do the stories. For and that. I think that's where it's going to head is that you're, everyone's going to have an ex, like just a Which, crazy amount of followers. And Yeah. I mean, it kind of works against them because like, wouldn't you want to have a personal account and then a fun account? Like a, like a professional account and a fun account because then you have you can claim you have like twice the amount like, like right. you're losing users that way if right. you're a business but I think what happens is uh, since Facebook owns Instagram and Snapchat is owned by who Google no Snapchat's its own it's just Snap it's oh it is okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so someone's gonna do it first then you have to do it too yeah but, yeah I don't know um, I could care to tell you the truth I don't give a damn about any of it so I feel like you should have <laughs> consulted the the rat soup girls. <laughs> you know what? I, I they're posting from was one account, but it's not. I the just. Real account. But I here's the thing. I feel like that's kind of shady. Like I know I'm in the business of like getting eyes and getting ears, but like if I found a rat in my soup, I think the first thing I would do is like I'd probably go to the hospital. Wouldn't you? I don't know what. Make I, sure I you mean, don't have again, hepatitis or it, again. I think it's very weird to put. It's, it's. I mean, I would. Make... I probably would post. Of course, I would. Why yeah, am I lying right? to myself? But, but it's weird to put reasonable expectations on unreasonable circumstances. That's yeah. my. Like, who knows how you would react? You know who doesn't put unreasonable circumstances to unreasonable actions? No, reasonable, <laughs> reasonable circumstances. Act- yeah, yeah, whatever. You know who's fabulous and blowing me away is um, um, Louis Anderson. Random. I know. Isn't that weird? You're gonna bring up uh, Bob. Bob. Oh, Cronbauer. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, who really blew me away was Mark Brown yesterday. Oh, my God. I was you looking guys connected at. connected now? Uh, no, we haven't connected, but I was looking at him on Instagram and I thought, oh, my God. If you were single and you're at a gay bar, <laughs> Mark Brand, Marky, get that big, burly, tattooed body over here right he's now got with the hot dog. He's got the last. God, I'm getting worked up right now. I need to go to. I need to vogue my ass over to save on meats, Marque. I I think that's uh I think that's a great way to end it. Do we have to? <laughs> I have to. I have to end on Mark Brand. Okay, I got you. It's Friday night. I got you all riled up, ready to go. <sighs> I know, and I have to see Tyler. Great in a sexless marriage. <laughs> great. I'm riled up with nothing to do. Yeah, I love Bob Cronenberg. Shout out to him. He has these really amazing shirts on uh, bcisawesome.com. Uh, I got three. You did? You bought them yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't buy them. I said I, I, did, I, did, I did the whole Hollywood thing. We're like, oh, I'm going to buy it. I love it. And then you just don't end up buying oh, it. No, I ended up buying a couple. I saved my shackles. Yeah. I have to. Smart. You got it in the city. Yeah. I love you, Mo. I love you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, he is rolling into 2019 with some serious BDE. Catch him Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM as the host of Andy Land Radio. He is Andrew Willis. And I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>